0: We are coming closer and closer to Christmas, and Christmas is about change. It is the process in which God uh, engineered from day before day one so that change could come about, and that is Christ's death on the cross allows our genetic makeup to be changed. You know, we're all born with a genetic defect, it's called sin. I know people don't, some people don't believe they're sinners, but they are. Uh, and the only way to change that is undergoing a, a major transformation. You know, we deal with those kind of things. Um, in this life, if you've ever had anyone to um, undergo uh, treatment for a genetic problem, it costs a lot. And I don't mean money. It does cost a lot of money, but it, it costs a lot because to make that decision for the change... And to know all that's involved in it, it's, it's serious. And, uh, you know, uh, that's that's how that goes. It's the same thing. Christ enables us to have a genetic change. And I, when I say that, I don't mean a DNA change, uh, you know, because, you know, your DNA is going to stay the same, but he can uh, improve how you handle that. Uh, and that's what Christmas is about. Christmas shows us the power that we can be changed. You know, uh, I, all of us have people in our lives, at some point in time, we've said, that one will never change, and then God can do that uh, if if somebody wants to change. But there's a lot of people sitting in here, you don't want to change. You know, you say, well, I, I don't want to change. Uh, it costs too much. Uh, so that's what we're looking at. Do you really want a life change? Well, I'm doing pretty good compared to who? <laughs> If you're comparing yourself to some backslidden Christian Otis that drinks all the time, you might be doing okay. But who you compare yourself to? Jesus. Do you need any change? We all do. Christmas is that time. There is a power that we can change. You can quit a bad habit. You can alter your attitude. There's a lot of Christians have a rotten attitude because you think you know everything, and you don't. <laughs> we don't, do we? Right? So, so all of us, we have room to make some altercation, alterations in our life through the power that Jesus gives us. That's what Christmas is about. There are some of those things that are tough, those genetic changes, you know. Um, sometimes they, they work, sometimes they don't. You know, Scott Mazo used to go to church with his son, Brian's brother-in-law, and uh, when he was 49, he was diagnosed with leukemia and that was the last year had he been 50 they wouldn't do it but because he was uh, just one year away from it he went through that process and which is a number one a hard process to just to start and then the whole process uh, i stayed in touch with him quite a bit and saw him through it and he made it now he's back at work he's clean uh but boy it costs a lot on his on everybody psychologically uh, so when you make a decision for a change, the first thing you have to do is, this is going to cost me. Most of us don't want to pay the price. Well, I'm better than I used to be. Okay. What does that compare to though? You know, all those, there's always some, something we can do better, right? Uh, that's the way that works. Now, uh, I'm going to get on past that. That's what I was just talking. About. Most people trust Jesus for the change because number one, they think, They're going to be okay spiritually. I don't need to all think because God loves us all. Boy, we've got that one now in the world. Unitarianism means everybody's going to be saved, even Hitler. You know, that's out there in the theological circles now. People that used to know what was going on, they say, oh, yeah, God loves everybody, so everybody's going to be saved. Even Hitler's going to be saved. That's not according to the Scripture. So they don't really think spiritually they need anything, and then there's a lot of people in this room. I bet you don't think you're going to die. You are going to die. You are going to die. You know that, right? You are going to die. I am going to die. <laughs> so uh, when you, you need to start thinking beyond just the physical. Uh, but a lot of people don't trust Jesus because they say, oh, no, I'm, you know, I'm going to live forever. No, you're not. Not physically, you're not. Uh, Christian, Christmas sort of forces the issue on us that we're going to have to make a decision. That's what it does. When God came, he said, this is what it's going to be. So this time of year just kind of forces us to say, okay, what's going on uh, or, or, or supposed to, if you're paying attention. Not everybody pays attention. Number one, you decide that you need a pl- change. You know, you realize you've got a bad attitude. You realize you have a horrible habit. You realize there is something in your life that shouldn't be there, especially if you're supposed to be connected to Jesus. Okay? So you realize, okay, this really doesn't need to keep going on like it's going. I need to change this. With his help, okay? Number two, it's going to hurt. <laughs> Isn't that right? It's going to hurt. A lot of people just do not like change. Churches just do not like change. <laughs> We've had more an experience than that we want to talk about. In the past, with churches who said, oh, no, we're not changing anything. We want it just like it is, even though what it is is not working. They don't want to do that. They don't want to go through that process. I mean, it is, you can get fired over that kind of stuff. Why? Because people say, oh, no. Why? Why? Because we like it the way it is. We're comfortable. It's going to cost somebody. It's going to cost someone. It's going to cost you if you're the one willing to make the change because you're going to have to sacrifice. That's what it is. Christmas is about that. It's about sacrifice. God himself sacrificed. It offers us a change in our life, but you have to decide you want it. Do you want it? Well, I'm pretty satisfied with the way I am. (laughs) A lot of us are, aren't we? If we weren't, what would we do? We'd be working on changing, right? Are you satisfied with a C? Then you're not going to study to get an A, right? (laughs) You know, Meredith kind of, she's funny. She says, I can't believe how many people at college are satisfied with a C. (laughs) They don't want to do any better. Well, you know, I was satisfied with a C. <laughs> I didn't tell her that, though. <laughs> but she shouldn't be satisfied with a C. You know, I didn't always do my best, but I was not a straight A student. I just wasn't. I wasn't committed to it. Could I make straight A's? Probably. I don't want to. I didn't want to. Do you want a change in your life? If you don't want to change in your life, you're not going to have one. You're going to always be obnoxious. You're going to always be hard to get along with. You're going to always look at things the wrong way, (laughs) right? That's exactly what it is, unless you want it. Christianity is not a creed. It's a life. It's supposed to be lived out in our everyday life and how we treat people, how we analyze things, how we look at it, every aspect of it. Well, this is that compartment, but oh, my, my, my Jesus part is over here, but it doesn't affect where I live and how I treat it. No, it's all together, and that's the way it's supposed to be so it takes some change. Do we need it? (laughs) You know, bless all of us, some changes happen in life, whether you want it to or not. You know, your hair's going to fall out, whether you want to or not. If you're genetically in that arena, you know, this is a genetic thing, you know. uh, Some people will lose their hair. I have first cousins. They were bald at 20. Uh, I didn't I'm not quite there yet, but they why? Because everybody in Mama's family, her brothers and sisters, every one of them except her was bald before they were 25. Ladies, too. I mean, it's just one of those things. Most most ladies don't want to be bald, I would think. Well, I don't know nowadays. But normally, it would have been, that wouldn't be the way it was, right? So some of those things happen whether you want it to or not. But we're talking about the things that you can control if you want to. (laughs) I'm going to read this clip for you from, uh, it was uh, Billy Crystal in the movie City Slickers when he, along with some other dads, was invited to their elementary school kids' uh, class to talk about their life. I don't know if you saw the movie or not. If you haven't, don't. I mean, it's not worth that. Uh, it's not a horrible movie. But this is what he says. <coughs> he's right. He's, he's addressing the kids in the class, young kids. He said, value this time you have in your life, kids, because this is the time in your life when you still have your choices. That's right. It goes about fast. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything, and you do. In your 20s, oh, it's a blur. In your 30s, you raise a family, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? 40s, 30s, he says, in your 30s, you're, you, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? In your 40s, you grow a little pot belly. You grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud. One of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. In your 50s, you have minor surgery. You call it a procedure, but it's a surgery. In your 60s, you'll have a major surgery. The music's still loud, but it doesn't really bother you anymore because you can't hear anyway. Those are changes that you just can't control. In your seventies, you and your wife retire to Fort Lauderdale. You start eating dinner at two PM. You have lunch around ten PM and breakfast the night before. You spend most of your time just wandering around the mall trying to find some ultimate soft yogurt and muttering, how come the kids don't call? How come the kids don't call? He's talking to elementary kids, okay? He said, then in your 80s, you have a major stroke, and, you, and your, you end up battling with some Jamaican nurse whom your wife can't stand, but you call her mama. <laughs> then he looks at the kid and says, any questions? It happens. I'm talking about the changes that you can do something about with the help of Jesus. You might not be able to quit drinking on your own, but with Jesus, you can. Oh, I know people. They say, well, I can't quit. You can. You can quit drugs, you can quit being a fool. There's a lot of people who say it's okay to be a fool. No it's not okay to be a fool because we have to tolerate you. That's not all right. Someone needs to confront that. What's wrong with you? Why why you know, people say you know Okay, I'm finna get off subject here. I remember Tony Tony Campolo, before he lost his mind. He was a sociologist by trade and all these people would come in and they'd say, "Oh, I'm this and that, and I'm a pervert and I'm this and that and and when he gets done Tony says, you are a pervert. Yeah, that is your problem. You have a problem. Do something about it. All of us have a problem. All of us need to work on changing something. And when Jesus helped, Christmas absolutely reinforces God came with the power for us to change for the better, for you, for your family, for your society that you live in, for the whole country. It's for everybody. It's not just for you. It's for everybody. <laughs> That was funny. Change is not made without inconvenience. Worse to better. Boy, that's right. Richard Hooker was a great theologian. He's right. For many people, change is more threatening than challenging. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know. If it's a threat if I'm no. Nope. They don't see it as a challenge. They just see it as a threat. They see it as a destroyer of what is familiar. That is one of the problems. Well, I don't know how that's going to turn out. Isn't that part of it? Isn't that part of the challenge? I don't know exactly how this thing is going to turn out, but it needs to be done rather than the creator of what is new and exciting, Cueben says. Huh. Do we realize we have a problem? We do. All of us have a problem. Some of us have been working on them all of our life. Some haven't worked on them at all. You're, you're the same person at 50 that you were at 15. You have made no positive changes whatsoever. You know, that's the way that works. You have to initiate the change. First you see it. We'll see that in a minute. Then you say, boy, this is going to cost me, (laughs) but I need to do it for the sake of everybody. What does it say in Jeremiah? The heart is deceitful. You will convince yourself you're all right when you're not all right. And somebody lovingly comes to you and says, hey, boy, tired about to run off over here. You better fix this. Oh, no, I'm all right. It's already on the rim. You better do something. No, I'm all right. Why? How did that work? <laughs> Let's look at it. It is written, there is none righteous. Every one of us were born with a problem. It's called sin. It comes out in all different ways, according to what your uh, personality is. But all of us have it. It has to be fixed. Or people don't want to be around you. Or you end up in hell. <laughs> That's the worst part. You know, we might have to tolerate you for a long time, but the worst thing is when you die and you go to hell. That's the worst part. Christmas came to fix that. They're all going out of their way. Together they'll become unprofitable. There's none that does good. We all have a problem. We do. A lot of people don't want to admit that. You know, you're not always right. <laughs> you know, you know anybody like that? It doesn't really matter. They're always right when they're not always right. And they cause a lot of, trou- of Trouble. There are only two classes of people, the people who live for Jesus and the people who don't. I don't care what you say. no matter what you say. The people who live for Jesus and the people who don't, that's the only two classes there are. Either you're pregnant or you're not. There ain't no in between. Either you live for Jesus or you don't. That's the only options you have, you know. Not perfect. I'm not saying that. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, wickedness of men who... By their wickedness, put down the truth. That's exactly what he says. He expounded in Romans. The problem with mankind is that we have the truth, but we don't want to face it. An alcoholic does not want to admit the fact that he's an alcoholic or she's an alcoholic and they need to deal with it. A drug addiction person does not want to admit the fact that they have a problem. So they don't deal with it. See, that's the way it goes. We don't want to face it. Instead, we put it down suppress it, and try to cover it up by some other means. That's what he talks about there in those verses in Romans. One way we do it is we don't admit that we have a problem. You know, you, you don't know there's four lugs on that tire about to come off. Oh, no, they're not. And you see, they're, you can turn them with your finger. That means they're about to fall off. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that tire. You know people like that, right? You know, I can quit drinking any time I want to. No, if you could quit drinking any time, you would have already done it. <laughs> right, if you see what's going on. Jesus said, you will not come to me that you might have life. You do have a problem, and I can fix it for you. That's why I came. That's why I was born in the, uh, as a baby, so I could die on the cross to pay the price for your sin, so the Holy Spirit would come and empower you so that you could be changed. That's the whole process. That's what Christmas is about. For life's sake, <laughs> we can be changed. For your spouse's sake, for your children's sake, for your mother and father's sake. You can be changed. You can. And such were some of you. But what? But you're washed. You're sanctified. Oh, you used to live like a pagan, but you don't now. Why? Because Jesus changed your life. So when you say Jesus changed your life and you still live like a pagan, somebody's lying. You know, if you're a speeder, don't put a Jesus sticker on your car. You know how that works? That's just like somebody said, oh, yeah. I'm a believer in them. embezzling money from somebody every day. You know, if you have a problem with that, don't, don't advertise that you're a believer very much until you get a handle on it. Why? Because you're not doing Jesus a favor or Christianity a favor. Well, Jesus understands. No, he doesn't. He doesn't understand. He expects obedience. And that's changing our genetic makeup. We have to work on that. But he's given us the power to do it. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The power of Christmas can change anyone. We know quite a few people in our lifetime that people said they'll never change, but Jesus changed them. they become people that you could tolerate being around. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) That Jesus can take somebody who is just obnoxious and can change them, and there'll be somebody that you don't mind being around. That's great. That's the praise. It can change even you. And me? Well, I'm all right. Says who? You? You say you're all right? Let's ask somebody that has to be around you all day. How are you at work? How are you at home? How you treat your mom and daddy? How you treat your children? How you treat your spouse? Hey. Well, that's a different thing. That's over here in this segment, and then my Jesus segment's over here. No. No, 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 no. It's not separated. It's all together. Don't talk about loving Jesus unless you're living some of that out. Just don't talk about it. Ask Jesus to help you. <laughs> Why? Because you're doing more harm. What is, that's what Paul talks about. You bring reproach upon Jesus and the church when you profess to be one of his and you live like a pagan. So have enough respect and integrity. Don't do that. Don't profess to be one if you're not going to even try to live it out. Do you want a life change? Do you, do you want one? We have to hurry, all right? There's a threefold uh, uh process in this. Number one, we ignore God. Well. God understands. Really? Like the rest of the world ignores God. You know, we kind of put God, we kind of give God his walking papers. We don't really need him anymore. So we kind of ignore anything that he says. That's what the world is doing right now, by and large, right? Yes, our government especially. We act as though he does not exist. And really, you know, God loves me, but I'm going to just do whatever I want to do because, number two, I know as much as God knows. I imitate God because I know what I need. I don't need God to tell me. Well, yeah, you do. Why? That very verse that we just read. What? We are wicked. Our own imagination deceives us. When we think, you know, there's a lot of musicians who think they're better than they really are. There's a lot of singers who think they're better than they really are. Why? It's, that's what Jeremiah's talking about. You need somebody honest to say, you might want to quit singing and just start playing. (laughs) Or let's see if you can sing and not play. Why? Because we think that we're doing real good when in all actuality we might not be. And that can be in any, any field, not just in music, but it's real evident there, right? You know, you've been around. I remember I did sing in a church one time that had a choir. I was raised in a traditional church. And the guy that sang in the choir with us, my brother-in-law, said, I ain't standing by him. You got to stand by him. I said, all right. He would just be real loud, and then he'd quit singing, and he'd look over at you, and then he'd start singing again. He He didn't know what rhythm was. And it was just everything you could do to stay focused on what you were singing. He thought he was just as good a singer as anybody in the church. And nobody wanted to hurt his feelings said, man, you don't need to be up here. But he really didn't need to be up there. Why? Because he's causing so much trouble on everybody else that was trying. that even have a half a chance. That's the same thing. We think we know as much as God knows. Come on now. What did Paul say? I look in the mirror and I really see who I am. That's why we don't want to have anything to do with God's Word because it tells us exactly who we are and what our problem is and what we need to do to fix that thing so we just stay away from it. We don't want anything to confront us where our problem is. Number three is this. We suppress it by substituting another God in its place. Family. A lot of churches, I mean, a lot of people put family in front of God. They put their job in front of God. They put money, prestige. It becomes their God. We'll see that later on in just a minute whenever he's talking about the rich, young ruler. That's exactly what his problem was, and Jesus confronted him. He didn't want to change. He saw it, and he wanted it, but he said, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. We suppress the truth. And we become godless when we put that down. Why? Because we don't want to face it. We just don't want to do that. In our human society, when the truth is suppressed, wickedness follows. Wow. How many of y'all grew up in the same time frame as me in school when the Ten Commandments were still in the school? We said a blessing before we went to lunch. We said, pledge allegiance to the flag. Half of the guys that were driving had guns in their truck. Nobody was ever shot. All of us had a pocket knife. Nobody was ever cut. Why? Just part of that. You take away God and what happens? What we have right now in America is what happens. That's exactly what happens. When the churches quit telling the truth about everything, they're just as bad as a secular government. Why? Because there is no confrontation where somebody makes have to think about, wait a minute, how you live in your life? So it inevitably follows. That's why you, how, why you think it is so wicked now. When men lose God, they always lose themselves. Absolutely. They do not understand what's going on in human affairs, so that's why you have some of the nonsense we have going on right now. Can you imagine what it is for someone living in on one of the border states? Of what's happening in their life when that many illegals can come over, boom, just like that. You see how that works? What happened in Washington? They don't think, they don't have to deal with that. They don't want to worry about that. They live in a gated community. Human affairs, they never think about it. Well, how is this going to affect everybody when God's not in the picture? Why? Because only when God is in the picture, we consider someone else made in the image of God. So we consider what their state's going to be in the choices we make as a whole government. That's gone. We don't have that. I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about. God's not in the picture. And are not able to diagnose, wait, what's going on in our country right now? Biognomics? And we're doing good? We were talking about it this morning. Did y'all see that Radsmusian, uh poll? <laughs> where they asked, uh, do y'all think Biden was a better president than George Washington? <laughs> 39% said yes. You know, one of the people commented, on it, when I see him cross the Delaware and make it to the other side, I'll consider it. <laughs> He'll forget where he's going. What? That's exactly what's right. They don't see that. Why? God's not directing anything in their life. You know, the main thing God does is causes us to think that everybody else, we should respect them because they're in the image of God just like we are. And you see the way things are being treated out there now. That is not in the picture. Why? Because God's not in the picture. Christ can change that. This is what C.S. Lewis said in his book, The Great Divorce. He says, hell is made up of people who live at an infinite distance from each other. I don't know who you are. I don't care if you get robbed or killed or whatever. Well, I don't, they're not my neighbor. I don't know who they are. Why would I stop helping them? That's what he's talking about. That's where we are now. The government cares less. People care less. What's going on in somebody else's life? We live so far apart. Cell phones, media has distanced us from knowing anything about anybody personally to the fact that we could care. Am I right or wrong? Oh, you text 50 people, but you don't. You can't stand there and talk to them. It's amazing how young people—and when I say young, I'm talking 30 and under—they can't even carry on a decent conversation with you. Why? They've been texting all their life. They don't know how to talk to somebody. They don't have they don't know how to deal with that. That's what he's talking about here. He's only talking about 60 years ahead of his time. <laughs> he didn't have a cell phone, and he didn't have all these things that. Social media has separated us from each other where we don't really care what happens to one another. We don't know them. That's exactly what he says. That's what's going on. That is the result of the loss of God in our life, in our nation's life. That's where it is. Christ came to change that. No, I don't know where you are, but all of us have it in us. (laughs) Well, I just got to look out for me. No, that's not what God said. No, Christmas is about he came to look out for us. Boy, that's a mystery. (laughs) There are only two classes of people, the ones who are living for Jesus and the ones who are not. That's it. Are you even trying? You say, well, I'm not perfect. I didn't say that. Are you even trying? Are you even trying? (laughs) Can I say it again? Are you even trying? Are we trying? Submitting our life, always cost. You know, I always thought, for a long time, you know, I'm, I'm a dinosaur when it comes to farming. Because I grew up picking tobacco when a horse was pulling the sled. So I go kind of way back. And then we went to two-row equipment. Can you imagine that, Bucky? Two-row equipment. That means you plow only two rows, not 12, not 24, not 250. Two. And then we went to four rows. I'm thinking, Wow. What did you just do? You just doubled your time. And I thought, why don't we go to sixth row? Well, that costs a lot more. Why don't we go to sixth? We never did go to sixth row all my time. Cause what? It costs a lot to step everything up to handle six rows. Whenever you start stepping up your life, it's going to cost you. That's why we don't do it. I mean, basically, man, if I give this up, boy, that's going to cost me. I don't want to do that. Only Christ can give you the power to do that. Are you willing to pay that price? (laughs) Wow. Jesus said to him, if you will go, remember the rich man comes to him and he hears him, rich young ruler. He says, if you will be perfect, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor. And you shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Wow. Listen, that does not mean... All rich people go to hell, okay? That's not what it means. It doesn't mean having some money is a sin. Doesn't mean that at all. That's not what the context means at all, whatsoever. It means if money is your God, you're doomed. That's what it means. If you serve money over God, that's who he's talking about. And we'll see what happens to it. But when a young man heard the man sing, he went away sorrowful because he had much possessions. Why would you go away sorry if you had a lot of money? Why? He saw something that money couldn't buy for him. He really wanted it. He knew Jesus had it, but he wasn't willing to give up what he had for it. It's like, you may be in a relationship you shouldn't be in. Are you willing to give it up for Jesus? Or Are you in a job that you shouldn't be in? Are you willing to give it up for Jesus? Well, if I give it up, man, it's going to cost me. Right. It was going to cost him. He said, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'd rather have my possessions. And he went away sorrowful. He was brokenhearted because he saw what he needed. He wanted it, but he said, oh, no, I'm not paying that price. And that's where all of us are. Jesus will arrest our attention and show us, this is really where I want you to be. This is really what I want you doing in your life, but it's going to cost you. Will you do it? And we say, yeah or no. And we do it with our life. You know, that's, that's exactly what's going on here. Same thing. Something awakened in him, and he saw it, and he asked the right questions. What can I do? That's the first step. Jesus, what do you want me to do? He said, what can I do? And Jesus said, this is what you need to do. Do this. That's what you need to do. How can I get what I need? Jesus said, that's what you do. Go sell it all. And then come and follow me. And he went away sorrowful. There's no way in the world. He saw he could do what Jesus said and get rid of his money. So he chose his money. And Jesus didn't go after him. You want to make your choice? Jesus will let you. You want to die and go to hell? Jesus will let you. He ain't going to make anybody be saved. You want to stay on this track that you're on that's going to ruin your family and who knows whatever? Jesus will let you. He ain't going to make you do anything. You decide. But if you decide to do the right thing, Christmas gives us the power to do it. That's the key. You can't do it by yourself. Most people can't quit drinking by themselves. They can't quit drugs by themselves. I don't care how many rehab thousands of dollars you spend until Jesus changes your heart, it's probably not going to work. You know, that's the way it goes. Whatever it is, if you want to change, he said, no, I'm not interested. He pierced right to the issue. Jesus always did that, didn't he? (laughs) Remember, that's a great scene on The Chosen where he's there at the the well with the woman, and uh, she comes up by herself, and and, you know, she's a Samaritan, and he's a Jew, and she knows it right away. And said, said, you, you know, what are you doing up here? And he pretty much says who he is. And, uh, and so she starts to skirt the issue and say, well, you know, you Jews are supposed to worship in Jerusalem, and we think it's okay down here. And he said, no, 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 that's not the issue. He said, go call your husband. He got right to the issue. He always does. Jesus knows. Well, I, he said, oh, I know. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. He gets straight to the issue. He always does. He got straight to the issue. He ain't gonna play around. He's not gonna flirt around and try to make everybody feel good. He said, "Wait a minute. You have a problem. You need to fix it. This is how you fix it. Do you want to fix it?" That's it. Pretty simple, isn't it? I'm not a great math. I'm not a great mathematician. I probably got a C in math. Why? I can add and subtract and multiply. I figure things out. But I didn't take geometry and I didn't take all those other geometries that go with that. I I didn't take calculus. I didn't take any of that stuff. But I, I know some basics, right? Basics. It's simple. You need a change. Do you want it? Jesus can help you. Is that complicated? No. We try to make it a lot more complicated than it is. It's about the choice to really live. <laughs> you know, he saw it, caught a glimpse of it, said, oh, no, I'm not going to pay for that one. Eternal life is not just living forever, it's living a quality of life now. You know what that means? You know, it's like the man who was flying an airplane. He said, I know I'm going the wrong way, but I hate to turn around and make such a good time. You know, it's not about, well, I'm going to get saved because, you know, I want to live in eternity. That's not it, that's just a fringe benefit. The thing is, your life is changed now, quality of life now. It doesn't really matter how fast you get somewhere. Is what are you going to do when you get there? Are you going to do something that Jesus wants you to do when you get there, or are you just hurrying to somewhere that's not going to make any difference? Just semantics. You know, that is the issue. For a long time, a lot of surgeries that went on helped a person's quality of life, not quantity of life. They still died about the same age, but while they were alive, it changed their quantity, quality of life while they were alive. That's what Jesus is supposed to be doing because all of us are going to die. We may die early. We may die late. But the main thing is what are we doing now with the time? Are we changing so God can use us for his glory? That's the issue. You know, this young guy said, I, "Man, I'm not going to give it up. No, sir, that's the way it goes. He had to make a choice, and, boy, he made one. He possessed the first quality of this thing. You know what it was? <coughs> he got right to the point. Jesus, what do you want me to do? When's the last time you asked that? Jesus, how do you want me to treat my husband? Jesus, how do you want me to treat my wife? Jesus, how do you want me to treat my mom and dad? How you want me to treat my siblings? How do you want me to treat my employer? How do you want me to treat my employee? That's where you start. What do you want me to do different than I'm doing? And then you make a choice. Okay, I'm going to do it. Boy, it's going to cost me. But for your glory, I'm going to do it. Not only will it benefit me and everybody else around me when I do that, but for your glory, that's what I'm going to do. He said, what can I do? What must I do? How's how this going to happen? And he went away sorrowful. He said, no, nah, I just ain't going to do that. <laughs> I, you know, I ain't going to quit hanging around with those people. I like them too much, even though they're liquor heads, and I always had to fight the urge of drinking with them. I grew up around liquor heads, all right? My wife doesn't let me use that term. I don't like alcoholic." You know, because that's just too fluffy. Drunk. I grew up around drunks, okay? I know what it is. And I know what it is, even if you're doing everything you can not to drink, you keep hanging around with them, and guess what you're going to be? You're going to be one. That's exactly what it means. Be careful what you're doing. You want to change? Well, I might find myself by myself if I don't hang around with them. You're better off by yourself than a bunch of drunks or a bunch of drug addicts or whatever they are. And don't ever say, well, I'm just going to be the one to evangelize them. Probably you're not strong enough for that yet. You know, you just pray that God would send somebody to them who has that ability to do that. You know, don't be like the preacher on uh, uh, Bourbon Street. Remember the Bourbon Street preacher? Oh, it doesn't bother me to go in all these places. Well, it went along when he gave in and he became one of them. You you have to be real careful, you know. You have to be real careful in any of that stuff. Would you go away sorrowful if you had all that stuff? Well, it means you love whatever you got more than you love God. That's what he. That's what he questioned him on, and and he said, Yeah, I guess I do, and I'm not going to do anything with that. He's shown him what he was serving. You know, we've always got more important time for God than we uh, than. For us, then we do what God wants us to do. Come on. Well, I'd like to do that, but I just don't have time. What are you going to do with that time then? Huh? See? That's it. What is, is God your time? Is your time your God? Or what, you know? That's the way, you can analyze it. Let's be honest here, all right? It's every aspect of our life. Something else takes God's place if we're not careful. He confronted him and said, what do you want to do about it? Well, I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> So I turned to walk away, and Jesus let him go. That's exactly what happens. He caught a glimpse of it. I really want that A. I didn't ever want the A's, unfortunately. Somebody who really wants the A, they go for it. It costs them, though. ain't it right? Oh, yeah. You, you study by yourself a lot. You can't really study in groups and get anywhere, you know. Hello. Because they talk too much about something that ain't even in the class. Ain't that right? Hello? Yeah. Just in case you're interested in that. That's the way that works, okay? Finally, when I did get to studying later on in life in the second and third options, I had to study by myself. I can't study with all that other stuff going on. You don't care about that anyway, do you? No, but it's part of it. (laughs) He went away sorrowful. Nah, I like my life better than what God has in mind for me. Oh, I don't believe that. Yeah, you do. You show it with your life. That's what you show it with. You show it with your time, your money, and your life. Just don't lie to yourself and try to fool yourself to saying, well, Jesus understands. No, he doesn't. He expects. I thought this was supposed to be a cuddly little Christmas message. It is. (laughs) Jesus loves you. He died for you so you didn't have to stay the same person all your life. Right? I love, uh, what's that guy's name on the Internet? They shoved him off YouTube, but now he's on X or somewhere. Uh, Doug to Naples. You all know who that is? He says this is where all the joy people are. We love it. We love life. That's it. That's what God wants us to have, some joy in our life. Why? That we're forgiven. (laughs) That God's been changing us. Thank the Lord. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you're not the same person you used to be? (laughs) Good, a friend of mine who was a rough boy. One day, some people would say something to him, and he said, "You just really ought to be thankful that Jesus changed me." <laughs> and I know Him, and I'm glad, because He hurt somebody, and not even think about it. Has Jesus changed you? Has He? Would anybody know it? <laughs> Christmas is about that. Let's pray. Lord, why, why do you tolerate us? We play games. We talk a big game, and it's, it's never part of our life. Please forgive us. Help us assess where we are. Help us be honest. Help us make the changes that's going to cost us, but that are necessary for our families, for our lives, for the church, for our community, for your glory. Lord, convict us with your Holy Spirit to the point where we have to make a choice. And the Lord, help us make a, the right choice so that you'll be glorified. And that people will be saved because of it. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.